This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Welcome back, beautiful people. This is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Daniel Port. And I wanted to thank all of our viewers and listeners for sending in all those emails and questions and comments, because ultimately this is how we come up with our uh, content. And uh, there are several of you who have kind of talked about some of these newer emerging fields in medicine. And uh, today we've got an amazing, uh, prolific guest uh, Dr. Nathan Bryan. And so when we, uh, and Dr. Bryan, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Um, you know, listen, the topic today, so it, kind of when we kick off the new year, everybody's looking at new ways to improve their health, uh, but sometimes we don't really know which way to go. So, you know, we've been through podcasts on uh, NR and NAD therapy. We, we, we've talked about, all, you know, all kinds of different aspects to our health. But when we look at molecular medicine, which has slowly uh, emerged and now becoming mainstream, nitric oxide therapy has been used for several different uh, disease states, disease processes. But we're looking at it from a longevity standpoint as well. Uh, you know, so if we look at anti-aging, longevity, and um, you know, I know that you have been involved in nitric oxide research for the past twenty years. And, um, you know, today I thought we could really delve into how you got there, where the science is at, where it's going, and how can we all be a part of it. So, listen, I'm going to, I'll let you take it. I, I know that you are, uh, you know, president and CEO of Brian Therapeutics, and, and uh, well, why don't you bring us through the history? How did you become interested in nitric oxide therapy? Yeah, well, thanks, guys. It's a great pleasure joining you, and um, yeah, happy New Year! And we're off to to a great start. Happy New Year! You know, just like any career, it's it's a journey, right? And so, the, the longer I live and look back, I realize, you know, how little control I had over this. And I think God puts people in our lives at different points, and we pivot and and take on new paths. But you know, I've always been interested in science and medicine. I, I graduated top of my class in high school. I went to the University of Texas, got a degree in biochemistry. And then from there, you know, I realized that a bachelor's degree in biochemistry really was going to get me where I needed to be. So uh, a couple of years thereafter, I went to LSU School of Medicine, where I enrolled in a PhD program in molecular and cellular physiology. And really looking back, that really... This is the real deal, guys. This is the real deal. <laughs> a degree in biochemistry and a PhD in molecular and cellular physiology really gives you gives me a kind of the background of really had to understand the, the mechanism of human disease to the extent that we can fix it. 
And then from there, I trained in Boston at Boston Medical Center and the Whitaker Cardiovascular Institute, really studying kind of cardiology, vascular biology. And then I'd had my first faculty position. I was recruited by Fred Murad, one of the gentlemen who shared the Nobel Prize for the discovery of nitric oxide at what was called the Institute of Molecular Medicine. And our focus was to understand the mechanism of human disease to where we could develop rational therapies. And that really put me on this very narrow lane of, of nitric oxide. We knew that nitric oxide was extremely important. It's a gas that's produced in the lining of the blood vessels. And once it's produced, it's gone in less than a second. And it controls a number of important physiological processes like control of blood pressure and blood flow and inflammation, uh, oxygen delivery. Uh, and it's basically how our body heals. It's part of the regenerative process of, of humans. So the challenge when I started in this field 20 years ago was we knew nitric oxide was important, but how do you develop safe and effective nitric oxide-based therapies? How do you recapitulate the, the production and the signaling of a gas once produced is gone in less than a second? And that was really the basis for a lot of my discoveries. We published a number of seminal papers. Uh, and so today, fast forward 25 years, we have the first and only solid dose form of bioactive gas. So we've productized a lot of this, these discoveries. We make nitric oxide products that actually, if your body can't make nitric oxide, then we do it for you. We've done this wow. in a only dissolving lozenge. We've done it in topical for skin care, you know, really important in plastics and aesthetics and regenerative medicine. And now we have technology that we're moving through the FDA for specific uh, FDA drug approval for things like ischemic heart disease, Alzheimer's, topical drugs for diabetic non-healing wounds. I was going to say most of these are, uh, oh man, I, I, the, the now what you are talking about. Uh, so first of all, it's, it's such an impressive uh, resume and, and history here, uh, because I, I don't think people realize how difficult, uh, you know, of a subject this is. So for all of the people who not only just hated science but hated math, physics, and uh, everything else that goes along with it, and especially organic chemistry. Uh, <laughs> This is next level stuff. Okay, so we have a, a true brain right here. Um, first of all, listen. We we say that the, you know the it's involved in uh, healing regenerative processes and things like that. How does the body make it? First of all, um, where's the most common area that it's used? Do you think? And um, how, how can you know? Now I, I definitely. Well, why don't you answer those two first, and then we'll kind of go into uh, what you were just talking about as far as the only solid form. Well, today we have a very clear understanding that there's two primary pathways the human body makes nitric oxide. There's an enzyme called nitric oxide synthase. It's found in the lining of the blood vessels called our endothelial cells. And that enzyme, once it's, if it's functional and coupled, it's responsible for the second-to-second -second regulation of blood flow to every organ, tissue, and cell in the body. It maintains kind of a, a clear uh, blood vessels. When you lose the ability to make nitric oxide, you start to get inflammation, oxidative stress, and immune dysfunction. You get platelets that start sticking, and we call that microvascular inflammation, the earliest stages in the onset and progression of cardiovascular disease, which you know today remains the number one killer of men and women worldwide. Sure. So we understand now the enzymology and the biochemistry of that enzyme. We know what causes it to become uncoupled. We know how to recouple it and restore its function. That's the first pathway to be discovered. The second one was you know, relatively recent. About 20 years ago, we and others discovered that the bacteria that live in the crypts of the tongue, the oral microbiome, 
are there to provide a source of nitric oxide that we get from diet. So for instance, this explains like the Mediterranean diet, the, the uh, Japanese diet, a plant-based vegetarian diet, all the cardioprotective benefits of diet can be explained by this mechanism of utilizing inorganic nitrate, the bacteria converting that into nitrite and nitric oxide, and it's, it's vasoactive, and it can compensate for a loss of endothelial nitric oxide production. So our whole focus really starting 20 years ago was understand how the human body makes nitric oxide, what causes people to become deficient. And then once we understood mechanistically those two, then we could develop rational therapies to completely recapitulate nitric oxide production, nitric oxide signal. When, when, because, you know, you were alluding to this earlier, because nitric oxide is fleeting, you know, it's there and it's gone within a second. Obviously, you know, our first answer to most things is we take a supplement. And um, obviously it becomes a little more difficult when it comes uh, to nitric oxide therapy. Before you had this first solid form, what were we resorted to using? Uh, this was inhalational, uh, you know, how, again, looking at therapeutics. So let's say someone comes in, they're completely healthy. Uh, and they're looking for potential longevity versus someone who comes in and they are uh, they have the beginning stages of cardiovascular disease, some plaque formation, things like that. Both of these, I feel now are scenarios that can be uh, where nitric oxide therapy can be potentially useful. How do we you know, how would you explain the two different scenarios? Well, I think let's go back kind of 20 or 30 years. The first indication, the FDA approved indication for nitric oxide therapy was inhalative nitric oxide therapy. And the only approved indication was in the neonatal intensive care unit. So these are premature babies born with pulmonary hypertension. So the only effective therapy was to give them inhaled nitric oxide, which would dilate the pulmonary arteries, reduce pulmonary pressure, and then match the ventilation to perfusion that you see in patients with, with pulmonary disease. This has been utilized now for 30 years in the neonatal intensive care unit and various saved hundreds of thousands, if not millions of babies' lives. Now it's used off, off label in you know, coronary bypass uh, or uh, coronary bypass surgery to maintain you know, the cardio protection during cardio bypass surgery. Um, and you can use it off label for pulmonary hypertension. The problem is when you turn the gas off, you see an increase in pulmonary pressure. So it's not sustainable. So what we've done is really, I think, going to move the field forward because now we have a sustained release of nitric oxide that we can release nitric oxide that has endocrine functions. We published a paper in 2007 showing for the first time that nitric oxide was a hormone. So now we can give nitric oxide and, and really allow its endocrine effects to take hold. So going back to the question, I think, and it's a very good question because there's two populations who I think could benefit from nitric oxide. There's the people that are sick and sick and tired of being sick. And then there's the people like us who are still relatively young and healthy who don't have disease. But in that case, we need to take it proactively, prophylactically, to mm -hmm. prevent this age-related decline in nitric oxide. So it's really, I think, it's attractive for everybody. Because I think, as you guys know, it's much easier and more cost-effective to prevent disease than it is to treat it once you have it. Mm -hmm. De definitely. Yeah, we can be proactive and get this in the hands of people all around the world prevent the loss of nitric oxide production. And, and the science tells us that if we can prevent the loss of nitric oxide production, 
we can prevent a lot of age-related chronic disease. Um, speaking of chronic diseases, and, and you had mentioned it earlier, we're looking, obviously, we see the cardioprotective effects, and we we know where it's a, a benefit there. Uh, you know, obviously, we're looking at major organs like liver, kidney, where the, you know, the effects of nitric oxide therapy are uh, essential. You had mentioned something about skin, and that's where, you know, listen, you get a plastic surgeon excited when you talk about potential therapies for the skin. Um, and, and again, it may be, seem very shallow, but uh, obviously, you know, the skin is a direct reflection of what's happening on the inside. And so it's the largest organ in the body, and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, we're looking to uh, improve or in, improve the effects of, um, you know, using some of these therapies internally. Now, give us, shed a little more light on what's happening externally. So when we use nitric oxide therapy for the skin. Yep. Well, you brought up a very good point. The skin is an organ, just like the heart or the sex organs, right? And when you don't get enough blood flow to any organ, you develop end organ disease or, or dysfunction, right? So just like erectile dysfunction, if you can't increase the, dilate the blood vessels of the sex organs, you get erectile dysfunction. If you lose the vasodilatory capacity of the coronary arteries, you develop coronary disease, ischemic heart disease. If there's compromised blood flow and microvascular dysfunction in the skin, which, by the way, is an organ, then that organ fails. And what does that look like? Well, you lose collagen, you lose hydration, you get inflammation, you get age spots, you get acne, bacterial overgrowth. So our whole approach was, look, we knew from the clinical literature that if you could improve nitric oxide through the coronary arteries, you could overcome ischemic heart disease, dilate the coronary arteries. If we could create a topical nitric oxide, could we open up the microcirculation, recruit capillaries, dilate blood vessels, superficial blood vessels, improve perfusion, and then lead to better collagen deposition, better hydration, and reduction in inflammation. And if we could do that, would that lead to better overall the look, tone, texture, and clarity of the skin? And the answer is yes. We've got five published peer-reviewed clinical trials on our topical uh, that does just that. So again, if your body can't make nitric oxide, we do it for you. Now, the limitation to that is because we're producing nitric oxide gas, there's a limit of diffusion of NO gas into the tissue, maybe a couple mm -hmm. of millimeters. So mm -hmm. if you're dealing with superficial blood vessels, small blood vessels, uh, microcapillaries, then yeah, it's very effective. But it's not going to penetrate far enough to dilate you know, resistance arteries in the skin. And I think that's probably an important consideration because you don't want to apply a topical and lead to an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Definitely. Um, it, you know, it almost sounds... When we when we talk about skin and and applying nitric oxide, uh, I'm imagining it's in a cream or ointment therapy. Um, now, because of the the half life, are we concerned about short acting? Um, you know, will there be a long term effect, or does it have to be uh, something that you would place multiple times a day? Um, you know, and is there a uh, a kind of a dilating effect where you look a little red when you're placing this? No, it's quite remarkable. It's a great show and tell because as you guys know, most skincare and beauty products are designed to mask or hide the effects of aging, hide the fine lines and wrinkles, hide the age spots. What we do is completely different. So in order to do this, you have to, we had, to, I had to make a dual chamber delivery system. So you take one pump from each side, it's the dual chamber delivery and then once you mix these together in the palm of your hand and apply it to any part of the skin, it activates the nitric oxide. And so you'll actually see the skin turn pink. 
and that's that's a hyperemic response. We're, we're we're forcing blood flow to wherever you apply that. So we haven't magically changed the physical chemistry of nitric oxide. We're generating nitric oxide gas, but all of our clinical trials are using the serum once in the morning, once in the evening. And usually after 30 days, we see transformative results. So to answer your question, and our technology does two things. Number one, it produces nitric oxide, but we also restore the, the enzyme. We recouple the enzyme in the lining of the blood vessels. So we're now we're improving the body's ability to make nitric oxide on its own. So it's wow. not just like a quick therapy, and it's, it's completely unlike, you know, hormone replacement therapy. For instance, if you give testosterone, you shut down endogenous production, right? What we do with nitric oxide, we didn't want to do that, right? It's a great financial model, right? Because now you become dependent upon it. But it's Yeah, of course, of course. So what we want to do is we want to give the body what it needs, recouple that enzyme, and now lead to better endogenous production. So it's just like now we're figuring out, if okay, usually one – Applying it twice a day is sufficient for seeing changes in what we call these non-surgical kind of rejuvenation procedures uh, that are really becoming more mainstream. Um, and let me ask you as a follow-up to that, uh, do you think this eventually will be a vehicle for a delivery system? Meaning, let's say you take actives and you 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 know you mix this with something that improves the depth of penetration or, you know, uh, allowing the active to be taken up by some superficial blood vessels. I wonder if a high concentrate of vitamin C or, you know, if you were to take small amino acids like proline and, and uh, uh, lysine, um, you know, it would be interesting to see what, if you provided more of these essential nutrients for collagen production, uh, nitric oxide could be a delivery system. No, absolutely. We've, the nitric oxide itself. So part, one of the chambers contains 20% vitamin C. So when we do this, we're providing a, a high-dose, high-potency vitamin C. But we've done biopsies, and we can actually see collagen deposition and improvement in collagen formation just from applying the nitric oxide. So, you know, I think this whole concept of give the body what it needs, the body does its job, we just got to get out sure. of the way. Yeah. <laughs> nitric oxide and basically just open up the capillaries and allow better delivery of the amino acids, of the raw material, of the nutrients that it needs to, to do its job, then... The human body typically doesn't make mistakes, right? It's a lot smarter right. than that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Despite what we do to it, it still manages to, to move forward. So, you know, I always think about that after uh, like a, a New Year's Eve. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, noticed, I noticed that uh, we didn't talk about something. You have a book that uh, you wrote a couple of years ago um, called The Nitric Oxide Solution. Is a lot of what we're discussing today in the book and a lot of like, because I know there are ways that we can actually actively increase nitric oxide production without taking any supplements, without doing anything. Um, does this book really give us that handbook? And can you tell us a little bit how you came up with this book? Yeah, well, that book I published, I think, back in 2010, 2011. My latest book is called Functional Nitric Oxide Nutrition. It's probably three years old. Okay. I've got a book now that'll be out probably in the next 90 days called The Secret of Nitric Oxide, Bringing Nitric Oxide to Life. And that's going to be the most up-to-date, comprehensive kind of, because, you know, the field of nitric oxide moves so quickly that what we understood and, and knew 10 years ago is completely different than the understanding we have today on how do we, you know, improve nitric oxide production. Congrats. Wait, so my my whole objective is to understand the science to the extent 
that we just can improve our own nitric oxide production without drugs, without supplements, just give the body what it needs, right? And so today we understand that there's things that we do that completely shut down nitric oxide production, that it's 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 completely unbeknownst to people that do it. So number one, we found that people who use mouthwash every day that kill the oral microbiome, it shuts down their nitric oxide production. We published in 2009, it causes an increase in blood pressure. You lose the protective benefits of exercise just by using mouthwash. And two out of three Americans wow. wake up every morning and use mouthwash. And two out of three Americans have an unsafe elevation in blood pressure. It's not coincidental. It's causal. The same thing with fluoride. We have to get rid of fluoride because fluoride's an antiseptic. It kills the oral microbiome. And most people are using fluoride in their toothpaste. It's a neurotoxin and it shuts down your thyroid function. And then the other issue are proton pump inhibitors. These antacids Mm -hmm. that 200 million prescriptions are written for every year. And that's not even counting the -the over-the-counter purchases. Now we know that that PPIs completely shut down nitric oxide production. People who have been on PPIs for three to five years have a 40% higher incidence of heart attack, stroke, and Alzheimer's. Wow. Look, if if you just stop using mouthwash, get rid of fluoride, and get patients off antacids, specifically PPIs, then now their body can actually produce nitric oxide on its own. Now you throw in, you know, some more green leafy vegetables, moderate physical exercise, 20, 30 minutes of sunlight a day, and voila, now our body's primed to make nitric oxide on its own. So we just got to get out of the way. Stop doing the things that disrupt it. Start doing the things that promote it. And it's really that simple. The science is very complex, but the solution is really simple. And and what's the story with the beats? Yeah, the beats. You know, beats hit the hit the radar probably in 2012 in the London Olympic Games, because at at that time there were probably half a dozen clinical studies showing that people who consume beetroot juice, which contain nitrate, their body could convert it to nitric oxide and improve exercise performance. So now now then beets became this hero vegetable. But I've tested almost all the beets on the market, including beets you buy at Whole Foods or retail grocers, and 99% of them don't contain any nitrate and don't provide any nitric oxide benefit. So there's a lot of consumer deception and fraud going on by these companies trying to sell you beets and chews or gummies and all this crap that really have no way to deliver nitric oxide. So, But we've actually been able to harness the benefits of beets. So we know the agronomy, we know kind of the nitrogen cycle, and we ferment our beets. We provide a beet product called NO Beets. Number one, that doesn't look or taste like beets. We take all the oxalates out, so no no issues with kidney stones. It doesn't taste like beets. We make it a sweet berry flavor, and we add electrolytes and, and, and mitochondrial ATP to it. So it's actually a great beet product that enhances performance, improves energy, uh, and it's called NO Beats. And that's that's an incredible product, not because I made it and deformulated it, but just because it's, you know, we position it to be a pre-workout or to replace things like Red Bull, Five Hour Energy, all these stimulant-ridden, really dangerous energy drinks that most people are drinking. So we want to yeah. provide a natural energy source. That's great. You had brought up, uh, you know, you had just mentioned nitrates and the ability to convert to nitric oxide. And, and from my understanding, you listen, there are there are several products on the market that we want that to be nitrate free because nitrates were, uh, you know, they were associated with gastric cancers and esophageal cancers and things like that. How can we differentiate the goods and the bads uh, when we talk about nitrate or nitric nitric oxide producing, uh, you know, foods? Yeah. 
Well, there is no distinction. And maybe surprising to your viewers, but the media in a scientific community hasn't always been honest with us. And what we believe, again, in the, in the, in the 50s and 60s of what we thought are completely different than what we think, you know, 60, 70 years later. So this Very whole true. concept of nutritional epidemiology started in the 50s and 60s, specifically as it related to nitrate, nitrite, and nitrosamines. So you always start with important observations, clinical observations, then try to work backwards and figure out the mechanism. So there were data appearing that showed that nitrite-cured meats, there was an increase, a slight increased risk of gastroesophageal cancers. So in the field of nutritional epidemiology, we call this associations, mm-hmm. right? There's an association between exposure of certain things and certain disease process or outcome. But it doesn't implicate causation. It doesn't necessarily mean that that causes the disease. There's just an association. So their biologically plausible mechanism 50 years ago was nitrate and nitrite can form nitrosamines. Low molecular weight nitrosamines are mutagenic carcinogenic agents that can intercalate DNA, cause mutations, and cause cancers. That was the theory. But if that were the case, and then fast forward, you know, 30 years where we entered the picture, and we revealed that 85% of the nitrate that we get from our diet comes from consuming vegetables. Only 5% comes from cure, from consuming cured and processed meats. The other 5% comes from swallowing our own saliva, or other 10%. So if nitrate and nitrite cause cancer, vegetarians would have a 10-time higher cancer rate than meat eaters. And we know it's just the opposite. So now their biologically plausible mechanism falls apart. I, I, I don't dispute the kind of the slight increase in relative risk on, you know, bacon, hot dogs, cured and processed meats, and certain gastroesophageal cancers. Because the I never, I, I never argue with the data. It's the interpretation of the data. But there uh-huh. are other things in those, like heterocyclic amines, you know, that may be mutagenic. But it, my point is that nitrate and nitrite are anti-cancer molecules. They're not cancer-promoting. In fact, we published think in 2009, that you can actually prevent the onset and progression of cancer and even metastatic disease with nitride and nitric oxide. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the 
must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand uh, the difference between epidemiologic studies and causal studies where, uh, you know, and so that's why the supplement market just booms. It's through the roof. We look at one huge epidemiological study and it'll show that this, uh, you know, leads to increase in energy and, and a decrease in, in, you know, negative things, you know, but that to have an association that same study could say all right well everybody who eats margarine you know gets a divorce it, it's it's crazy you know and i've seen that study when you look we had paul saladino on who's the, the carnivore md and he and he talked about it he brought up a study where it showed the association between you know green leafy vegetables and someone was living longer but the same study had that outcome it was that all you know, all, all of the relationships that they had in excess of margarine, they all developed a divorce. You know, it, he was just, he was joking, but it was a, a true association in those studies, whereas a cause and effect study is so much more powerful to isolate, you know, particular substances. So yeah, I think those, those, those observations and those associations are important because it gets us a starting point. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. as scientists, basic scientists, we work backwards and then try to figure out mechanisms. Because until you can figure out mechanism, you really don't have a clear understanding of what's going on. And if you don't know what's going on, how in the hell can you fix it? So that's You're that's right. been our approach in terms of specifically as it relates to nitric oxide. So I have a question for you relating um, our field. And you brought this up a little bit. Um, so it's kind of a twofold question. Patients that are undergoing just routine plastic surgery, would you recommend us to pre-treat and post-treat them with nitric oxide supplementation? Because it only makes sense to me, you're bringing excess blood flow to the area, so therefore you're going to have them heal better. That's the first question. I'm going to actually pose the second question to you, and you could just answer both if that's okay with you, is what if you run into problems? For example, and I'm just going to throw this out, I do a lot of breast surgery, and, and you have decreased blood flow to a nipple, and you're having that nipple getting you know a little bit of necrosis or even just any skin flap you're doing a a major diep flap or you're moving one and you're having you think that there is a role for nitric oxide to be used to allow more tissue oxygenation more blood flow to tissue um it it may be a long shot but i figured i'd ask no absolutely i mean i think it's critical because what you're doing in surgeries you're creating a wound right you're fixing things but you're creating a wound and wound care is all about the ability of the body to produce nitric oxide, restore blood flow. And if you're cutting blood vessels and then restoring blood flow, you get this concept called ischemia reperfusion injury. You know, my first idea in nitric oxide-based therapeutics was in donor grafts. Because when you take an organ from a donor and then you transport it and and transplant it in a recipient, that organ's been without blood supply for many hours. And then when you reconnect it, there's this paradoxical reperfusion injury. And we discovered and published this, I believe, in 2004, that nitric oxide completely inhibits that ischemia reperfusion injury. So if you if you pre-treat the patient or the organ with nitric oxide, and then when you do the surgery or initiate the wound, then the repair mechanism is all in place. 
we can restore blood flow. We can uh, the tissue oxygenation is dependent upon nitric oxide. And mechanistically, the oxygen delivery by hemoglobin in the red blood cell is dependent upon nitric oxide being bound to a single cysteine residue in that hemoglobin. So the oxygenation of tissue and the restoration of blood supply to any tissue, whether it's a you know a, a, a nipple that's gone without perfusion for a period of time that's becoming necrotic, if you can restore blood flow to that, then you can you know rescue that tissue. So to make a long story short, I think in what we're finding, we've got a lot of, you know, regenerative medicine clinics, plastic surgeon derms that use our nitric oxide pre and post treatment because they're getting better outcomes. Because if you have a patient and you guys know this, if you if you've got a patient that's smoking and has a number of comorbidities and you do surgery on them, their outcome is not going to be great. They're not going to. So if we can kind of raise, uh, level the playing field in terms of nitric oxide by pre-treating these patients with our nitric oxide. Now, any type of injury or wound that you perform through the surgery is going to have better recovery. Now we're finding the topical, whether it's, you know, the recurrence of surgical site infections or just scar remediation, if you apply the topical to that, it's antibacterial, so you reduce surgical site infections and you prevent better healing and, and mediate mitigate the scar formation. So everything we know about nitric oxide, I think, is extremely applicable to aesthetics and plastic surgery. Right. Thank you. When we look at, um, you know, the practicality, so let's say for all the physicians listening, how do we get our hands on it? And then for all the patients listening, what should they be asking for? Well, you know, the idea is, um, you know, I think the pharmaceutical companies did it best. They put on all the uh, the ads on TV and said, ask your physician about it just to help promote. But the idea is, you know, if we're not educated enough, we just simply don't know. So from a physician standpoint, what can we do? What do we reach out? How do we, how do, how do we get our hands on some of these therapies? And for a patient, what should they be asking pre and post-surgery? Yeah. Well, we have my objective early on, once we understood the importance of nitric oxide, was to develop safe and effective nitric oxide products in every major category around the world. We've done it in nutrition, dietary supplements. We've done it in skincare and topicals. Now we're moving this through FDA. So kind of the, the, the qualifying statement is none of the products we have on the market today are, are designed to prevent, treat, or cure any any disease. So these are so-called mm-hmm. dietary yep. supplements and skincare products, but they're available uh, through n101.com. That's the letter N, the number one, the letter O, number one.com. We have wholesale pricing for physicians. And then for consumers, you know, because there's so much confusion, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years and I see commercials and I see ads and, you know, even I'm confused because you get companies out there trying to sell you nitric oxide products that there's no way possible based on the scientific understanding that these products can produce nitric oxide. But Mm -hmm. yet it's a billion dollar industry and people are buying these products. So buyer beware. Uh, You know, I I encourage people to get educated, get informed. But again, if you're interested in in safe and effective nitric oxide products that is based on real science, the guy who's actually been in the lab discovering the science, innovating and creating the technology that's still running the company, then then those are our products. But Uh ask for, you know, does the product actually produce nitric oxide? Are there any clinical trials published on it? Um, and you have to be able to demonstrate that these product works. And that's what we do. If, if, if we can't demonstrate that it produces nitric oxide, we don't bring it to market. So every product we do, we can show it produces nitric oxide. We see biological effects. 
And that's our metric. And there's no other company out there that does that, although they're, they'll promise you the moon and, and stars, but there's no science behind any of their products. If you, if you look at uh, true data and, and uh, right now looking at nitric oxide therapy, let's say we're trying to translate some of the, because we know that some of these products will increase the level of nitric oxide um, you know, it's cardioprotective, it's organoprotective, really. And um, how does that translate to, do we have any current studies that are out there that relate to surgical outcomes that we can say, look, uh, this is what we recommend, this is why we recommend it, and here's the data to prove it? Or are we still working on that? In surgical, I know it's, you guys appreciate it's very difficult to do a controlled, randomized, placebo-controlled right. study in in surgery. I mean, what do you yep. focus on? Do you look at orthopedic cases? Do you look at plastic cases? What's what's the objective endpoint? Sure. Is it the incision? Is it the the end product? Yeah, I mean, there's so many variables. Now, we've got some studies with a group of podiatrists that are doing, uh, you know, nerve decompression surgeries with some scars, and we're treating half the scar with our topical, the other half we're not. Um, it's not double-blinded, you know, because patient knows it's which too hard to, yeah it's hard to do that, that. but it, it's giving us some objective measure so to answer your question there's not but we're moving you know we've got drugs that we're moving through clinical trials for ischemic heart disease we're in phase three clinical trials now and the what we're doing now is just seeing if we can prevent or delay exercise induced angina in patients diagnosed with ischemic heart disease a 30-day study showing no tolerance the fda will approve the drug we've got a drug going into alzheimer's drug studies uh, you know, we're looking at objective endpoints like cerebral blood flow with functional MRI spec scans and looking at cognition. Uh, you know, remarkably, nitric oxide addresses every single aspect about Alzheimer's disease. It improves cerebral blood flow. It improves glucose uptake. It addresses all the aspects of the metabolic components of Alzheimer's disease. And we've seen really an enormous clinical effect and benefit of that. And then topically, which is relevant for you guys, we've got a drug going into clinical trials for non-healing wounds and diabetic ulcers. You know, there's been no innovation. It's the easiest market right there for plastic surgery. You get into a non-healing wound. Yeah, we treat wounds the same we today as we did 50 years ago. Negative pressure, hyperbaric oxygen. Mm -hmm. You're right. A little bit of collagenase to clean up the wound. But nitric yeah. oxide, it's antibacterial. It kills the infections in most non-healing wounds, causes a hyperemic response. You get tissue granulation and the wound heals itself. We haven't seen a single non-healing wound that the nitric oxide topical hasn't been able to heal. Wow. Okay. That's well, great. Listen, that that's wonderful. great for all the plastic surgeons that are uh, potentially listening or all those treating wounds. Uh, let that resonate because he's right. For decades, we've been saying, all right, non-healing wound, uh, diabetic ulcers, things like that. Let's send them to hyperbarics. Um, and I know that there's a new company, Plasmology 4, which are, is dealing with plasma helium in the form of plasma for non-healing wounds as well so there's emerging sciences but nitric oxide therapy is definitely a great great uh, adjunct to wound healing so um you know that's uh, that's so interesting for us um you kind of you 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 talked about where you're at uh we talked about where you come from uh you know how long uh, we've been working on this Anything in the future that we see, you know, we always love telling our viewers and listeners about sci-fi stuff that's happening now or in the next 10 years. And so I'm just curious to see, because listen, sometimes we get some colorful answers. Um, I think this alone is some great 
you, you know, it is cutting edge. Um, how long before we see this as mainstream treatment? I know we're slowly moving into that, but how, how long uh, in reality, according to the FDA, um, you know, can we see some of these drugs uh, be implemented? Well, you know, I think we've had pre-IND meetings for all of our drug indications. Um, and we, we know the regulatory path forward. We have full regulatory guidance from the FDA. I predict that we'll move our, our, our ischemic heart disease drug. I predict we'll, we'll either have that drug approved and on the market by the end of this year or the first part of next year. The Amazing. Alzheimer's drug is probably a two to three year project. The topical uh, drug for diabetic non-healing wounds is probably a year and a half away. But here's what I know. Here's what the science tells us, that there's really not a single clinical indication where nitric oxide at the right dose at the right time in the right patient wouldn't be beneficial. Because when you look at the hallmarks of every chronic disease, it's there's four hallmarks. There's low blood flow, which we call focal ischemia or hypoxia, decreased blood flow to the affected organ. There's inflammation, oxidative stress, and immune dysfunction. In nitric oxide, that single molecule addresses all four of those. It dilates the blood vessels, improves perfusion of the tissue, it reduces inflammation, it prevents the oxidative stress, and inhibits the immune dysfunction that we see in chronic disease. So for me, being in this field for, for 25 years, I think it's the future of medicine. It's how we're going to treat patients for the next 100, 200 years. And it's Amazing. the beauty of it is it's a concept called restorative physiology. We don't employ the principles of pharmacology. I haven't synthesized a, a, a synthetic compound that's inhibiting a biochemical reaction. We're basically replacing what the body normally produces. And that's restorative physiology. We give the body what it needs. The body heals itself. And the beauty of that is there's no side effects, right? This Amazing. is a naturally produced molecule. And if you listen to the drug commercials, a 40-second commercial is 30 <laughs> seconds of side effects. Of the side effects. Of the <laughs> So let's say, uh, listen, if, as we uh, as we slowly wrap it up, my idea would be if if uh, if any of the listeners or viewers are listening and they said, OK, where should I start? This is for we're not treating anything. We're looking at longevity and anti-aging, overall protective effects. Where should I start? Is it, it would you say I'm going to start with this particular supplement um, you know, where would you begin just for the average listener? Well, I'm the all important N equal one experiment, right? I'm always the first guinea pig. Before <laughs> uh, I recommend anything, funny. I Love take it. and experience it myself. And so the, those interested in anti-aging and longevity, if you look at the objective measures of longevity, what is it? It's, it's telomere length, right? The mm -hmm. telomeres are the ends of the chromosome, shorter telomere, shorter lifespan. It's stem cell function. How well can our own stem cells mobilize and differentiate to repair and replace dysfunctional cells? And then it's mitochondrial function. Nitric oxide prevents telomere shortening. It induces mitochondrial biogenesis. And it's the signal that tells our own stem cells to mobilize and differentiate. So what I tell people is nitric oxide is foundational. It should be where you start because nothing else you do is going to work optimally until you restore the function of nitric oxide. Now, it's not going to fix if you have hypothyroidism. Nitric oxide is not suddenly going to fix that. You have to dig a little bit deeper. If you're deficient in vitamin D, nitric oxide isn't going to fix that. But what I can tell you is nitric oxide is foundational to where if you're supplementing with vitamin D or, or taking any type of hormone replacement therapy, it's going to get better delivery to the target tissue if you have good vascular flow, good perfusion, 
you know, good patent blood vessels that allow for delivery of oxygen, nutrients to every organ, tissue, and cell in the body. So that's foundation. And then I tell people, look, stop using mouthwash, get rid of fluoride. If you're on antacids, get off antacids, eat a balanced diet in moderation, exercise, and get some sunlight. And it's really that simple. Love it. Love Can't it. wait to start the supplement. Yeah, listen. Uh, so we'll definitely be taking a look at n101.com uh, because we're, you know, we're definitely interested in, in, in perioperative, creating the best experience and having, you know, improved outcomes. Um, I'm so thankful that you spent our time today. I learned something. I hope everybody else did. Uh, you know, it's just amazing stuff when we're on the forefront of medicine. I look forward to seeing uh, the results of these phase three cl clinical trials and uh, and to their emergence into the market. Uh, you know, again, uh, this has been eye-opening and hopefully uh, all of us can incorporate a little bit of this into the uh, new year regimen. I know that we've got our true niagen. Now we've got nitric oxide therapy. And we'll, we'll see, see what, what comes, comes next. next. Well, you know, I just want to thank you guys because as basic scientists, the, the, the work we do means nothing if it's never translated into clinical practice. And that's where most basic science discoveries never make it to market. So the science is clear. Now, I think the, the hurdle we have to overcome is the awareness and education and the clinical translation of the science into patient practice. And that's where you guys, you know, thank you for what you do and, and being on the forefront and being open to kind of new and it's an emerging technology. But I think the, the basic science is clear. The only hurdle now is the, the global translation. Implementation. implementation. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, listen, thank you so much. Uh, again, hope you guys all learned something for those listeners and viewers. Uh, definitely keep those uh, comments and uh, suggestions and emails coming with all your questions. Once again, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danyapur. You can check us out wherever you listen to your podcasts or your social feeds on YouTube, TikTok, or Instagram. Peace. Thank you, Dr. Thanks Brian. again, Dr. Brian. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.